Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Old Testament book of Leviticus today, and this will be the last episode of Leviticus. Celebratory noises! Before we get started, Good Friday and Easter are upon us, and we are really excited. So I want to take a moment to remind and invite everyone to join us for Good Friday service on April 2nd and Easter service on April 3rd and 4th. You can find all the information regarding our locations and times for in-person and online services at ccclife.org slash goodfriday and ccclife.org slash Easter. And we're also excited to announce that just like Christmas Eve, our Easter service will be on local TV as well. Yes! Yeah. Local, local TV. I love it! Whoa, that was kind of scary. <laughs> so, in addition to all of our in-person and online options, if you're in the Chicagoland area, you can also watch on Easter Sunday on My50 at 10 a.m., uh, Fox 32 at 11 a.m., and this is a great opportunity to invite family and friends and neighbors. You know, we can't wait for God to change hundreds and thousands of lives through our Easter services this year, so start inviting, start inviting. Um, and since we're on the topic of Easter, do you guys have any Easter traditions that you want to share? Uh, yeah, so uh, in my family, my extended family, uh, when we would do Easter at my parents' house, we would always do an Easter egg hunt for the the kids. So as one of the uh, you know uncles, I would hide the eggs, and we I would get all the you know uncles to hide the eggs, and then we would have baskets for people, and we would hide the baskets. And every single year, one of the kids' baskets would always be hidden on the roof. And so the the kids would wait until they got to the age where it was you know safe enough for them to go on the roof with me. And they always knew like, okay, which one of us is it going to be? I'm getting old enough; it might be me this year. And so every year, a new a new a niece or nephew would uh, get to you know walk out one of the the windows onto the roof of our house. That sounds so scary, dude. You're f- I, we need your entire family in this podcast studio for an episode. You had to wear socks. Yeah. Easter My, baskets are hidden on the roof. Yeah. Your parents are stealing your beanie babies <laughs> to pay off debts. Like, I've got to meet the whole clan, dude. Like, I'm not... All right, listen, Clayton's family. I'm, I'm learning about you through stories, but now we need to meet you in real life. So, <laughs> podcast producer, sir, if you would please schedule Clayton's family to be get, make a guest appearance on the podcast, be that would be awesome. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> Eric, how about you? You got any traditions? No, I've got nothing. You know, I, I think we talked in a previous podcast that we have a weird tradition on Christmas Eve, but uh, we've got nothing for Easter. We're pretty... Uh, yeah, you guys like dress up like... As like the Easter bunny or something? We do none of that. No. no. No, we're pretty typical. There's Easter baskets full of candy for the kids and yeah, that's it. We're uh we come and worship Jesus and celebrate the resurrection, and then we go home and take a nap. Yeah. Uh when I was a kid, we I loved to dye Easter eggs. And so we would my mom would buy dozens and dozens and dozens of eggs and we would just dye eggs for like hours. And I'm talking like you know, taking like the white crayon and like drawing like shapes and all that stuff and dipping them in. And uh, we, we, I just loved it. Since I've gotten older though, I, I actually don't remember the last time that I dyed eggs. It's, it's I, quite, I can't handle the smell of it. The, the like vinegar or whatever it is. Yeah. It's just like, ugh. Yeah. We got, we got used to it, but the entire house would stick like hard boiled eggs and, <laughs> and vinegar after. So uh, I, I haven't done that in a while, but that is one of my 
uh, favorite Easter traditions as a kid. Do you then feel obligated to eat all the eggs for the next, like... My dad... How long do the eggs last? <laughs> my dad would go to town on those eggs. Yeah, I'm, they'd probably throw away the majority of them. Did but... you hide them? No. It was on just, the roof? You, just, you, just, we on just, roof. She, you can go she, hide them on Clayton's roof. <laughs> she put them in a really pretty basket and put them on display for everybody to see. So, that was me. All right, well, Eric, you are comma guy today. I am comma guy. What, what are we looking at? Leviticus chapter 27. And when I, when I selected this passage to be the podcast topic... Thought I was being funny, but it's not funny. This is an enigmatic, difficult chapter to to read, to understand what you're reading, to even understand even like the background context of what in the world is going on. So uh, let me provide that for you very quickly, and then we're not we're not going to read the whole chapter. Clayton's going to read the first eight verses and then uh, tell you what's happening in the rest of the chapter. But okay, here's what's happening in Leviticus 27. These are rules about how it works when you are bringing a special offering to the Lord because you want to bargain with him. So in other words, you're coming to the Lord and saying, God, if you will do this, then I will do this, which uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later in the podcast about our human tendency to do this, to bargain with God. But uh, that is what's going on here. And so Leviticus 27 verses 1 through 8, here goes Clayton. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, if anyone makes a special vow to dedicate a person to the Lord by giving the equivalent value, set the value of a male between the ages of 20 and 60 at 50 shekels of silver, according to the sanctuary shekel. For a female, set her value at 30 shekels. For a person between the ages of 5 and 20, set the value of a male at 20 shekels and of a female at 10 shekels. For a person between one month and five years, set the value of a male at five shekels of silver and that of a female at three shekels of silver. For a person 60 years old or more, set the value of a male at 15 shekels and of a female at 10 shekels. If anyone making the vow is too poor to pay the specified amount, the person being dedicated is to be presented to the priest who will set the value according to what the one making the vow can afford." Now, that's the first paragraph. The, the next few paragraphs, they cover kind of different things you might vow. So that was a person. Uh, the next paragraph is if you want to vow an animal. The paragraph after that is if you want to vow your house. Or uh, the paragraph after that is if you want to vow your land. So basically anything that's yours, you could vow in some way, and these are the values for them. Okay, so a little bit more context here. Obviously, back then, you would bring stuff because there is not a coinage system. There's not a money system. So if you want to bring something of value, you're bringing a something, right? Right now, we would just all bring money. Hey, how much money do I need to give you for this, right? But that's not what's going on there. So then what they're doing is they are trying to figure out, so what happens if you bring a thing and you say, God, I'm going to dedicate this thing, and then you kind of change your mind. Now, can you buy the thing back, right? So that's a lot, that's a lot of what's going on here and the value for these things in, in, uh, in silver coins or uh, in, in various, uh, various forms of coins. So uh, that's, that's kind of the context here. Now, we'll be honest with you and say that even if you read commentaries or you try to really dig into like what the scholars say about Leviticus 27, you will still be in some ways scratching your head a little bit because it is really difficult to really fully understand exactly what was going on with this whole vow, kind of making a deal with God thing. Um, but in, in a lot of ways, it's not, it's not something that should really confuse us too much 
Because we all know that when we're in a hard place, we often say to God, God, if you will, then I will, right? And we, we, bargain, we bargain with God in a lot of ways. Yeah, there's a, an example of this uh, in a story that you might be familiar with. It's uh, in the Old Testament. It's a story of Hannah, who was a woman who w- couldn't have children. And so she's actually going to the temple to give their kind of regular sacrifices every year. And every year she prays to God, I, I want a son, I want, a, I want a baby. And she actually makes a vow and says, if you give me a child... I'll, I'll give him to the tabernacle and he'll work there. And so she could have gone to this passage and said, well, instead of giving him, I, I'll actually just pay the money. But it's the same idea of saying, I want to be able to have children. So if you give me children, I will do this for you, God. And this is kind of the, the guidelines for that. What's, what, there are some funny verses in here. Uh, one Clayton read and one's a little bit later in the chapter, but there's some uh, like, don't try to find the loopholes on this verses. <laughs> uh, so one of them is, don't try to give your firstborn animal because that already belongs to the Lord anyway. Yeah, you're supposed mm-hmm. to already give your yeah. firstborn yeah. animals. Uh, later on, it talks about tithes. Don't be bringing your tithe and saying like this is some special bargain chip because uh, that's the Lord's too. Uh, and so it's I I really like the fact that even though it's hard to get underneath the context of what's going on, that God knows us. One of, one of the things, uh, and we're just going to move on to observations here. One of the things we do in observations is we're looking for, let's use the TREATS acronym again. It is themes, right? Is the first C themes, repeating words. Yep. Uh, the truths sec- about God. Truths about God mm-hmm. and... Something striking. Something striking. Okay. <laughs> so truth, truths about God. God wants us to come to him, right? And he is... He is providing a way for this to happen with something he knows that we are prone to do, which is to want to bring bring special offerings or bring things to him because there are times in our lives where we know that we need him to act on our behalf. Um, and so I, I just I just like that. And I like the fact that he knows us enough to close the loopholes on it. Yeah, I, it's kind of like this... Um... You, you see it kind of like in movies, you know what I mean, where there's like these really dire situations and then people start like all of a sudden like you'll find them in like a church or a chapel in the hospital and they're, you know, bargaining with God to save the person that they love. And I, I think to myself like, you know, that, that person doesn't actually probably know what they're doing right then and there, but they're praying. They're like talking to God and they're saying this is what I need. And, you know, we, we do get the opportunity to do that without even bargaining with him because God knows our needs. You know what I mean? He knows what we need before we even say it, but he does want us to come to him in dependence. And uh, I think if we just simply enter into that and say, okay, God, here's here's what I need. You, you don't really have to make a, a vow or a bargain with him, you know, these days. Yeah, there's there's like a tension in this this passage because on the one hand, I want to tell people like, hey, if you need something, like you don't you don't have to try to like pay off God <laughs> to get it. On the other hand, God established this system, and so in some ways he's he's account you know he's accounting for the fact that we do this, and and there's kind of you know like there there's a there's a tension there of God saying hey if you're gonna if you're gonna tell me you're gonna do this I'm gonna you know hold you to your word you know I'm gonna tell you here's how to do it and so you don't back out you're not just you know telling me empty things you know thinking you're gonna make me happy. On the other hand, uh, you know I think you know there there are places even in the New Testament where it says. Don't don't make a vow. You know what I mean. Like don't don't just make an oath. Like say what you're going to do and do it. Um, but it, it's 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 interesting that God said, "All right, if you're going to start telling me, here's what I'm going to do for you, God. 
he's going he's gonna, to uh, follow through on that and say, all right, here's how to do it. Yeah, I wonder if some of it was also, you know, trying to establish a monotheistic community when they were so used to so many gods and going to so many places to try to please the gods so that they would have bumper crops or they could have children, right? There's there's part of this where they're, God said, no, bring it to me. Bring all your needs to me. All that other stuff, they're non-gods. They're not, it's nonsense. Provide, providing a way for them to come to him and remembering, just bring it to me. Yeah, uh, I, I wonder if, if that's a part of it too. Uh, so what, one observation, and this is kind of one of those questions I, I wondered about as I read it, is the different prices for different people. Um, there, there could be a temptation. I know there's probably at least one person who's going to look at this and say, hang on, does this mean that men are more valuable than women because you pay more for the men? Or that, you know, like younger people are better than older people or whatever. Here, here's the way to think about it. They're talking about economic, like, productivity. So in that society, if you needed someone to do work, it's based on, like, a little kid can't do as much work as a fully grown man, or an old man can't do as much as a, a young woman. So there's, like, a difference in the, the, the kind of value for that. But it was saying, like, if you're saying this person is going to serve, give, give what actually is the equivalent of what they're worth, you know, what, in terms of the kind of marketplace value for that person. Yeah, so if there's manual labor that needs to happen at the tabernacle or the temple, right? It's the it's who can who can lift the heavy boxes, yeah. right? Uh, or the other way to think about it is in ancient Israel, uh, you paid a lot of money for the bride. The groom was worth zero, right? You didn't pay nobody for the guy, but you pay a lot of money for the woman. So yeah, that's not it's not talking about inherent value. They're not putting value markers on on people's lives. It's about work. All right, what other observations do we have? I also look in verse 8. It's really interesting that the person, it says for the person who's too poor to pay, that the priest is supposed to figure out, okay, what what can you actually afford? You know, because you think about it, like in some ways they could be thinking, all right, look, if I have more money, I can pay off God with a bigger price. And that wasn't really the point. The, the, the point was to say, hey, you've made a vow to God. We're going to help you follow through on what you've said. And even for this person who doesn't have as much, like if you've made a commitment, we're gonna we're gonna figure out the way that you can you can pull that off. Yeah. So in that sense, man, that just triggered a, triggered a thought. Hopefully, it's good because I'm gonna say it into the microphone during a podcast. <laughs> uh, it's not like so. Let's see. You need a small favor, so you bring a small gift to God. You need God to do a big favor for you. You bring a big gift to God. It's not like God is selling favors, obviously, because it's not the it's not the value of the gift that matters. It's the act of bringing it to God and saying, God, I need this in my life, and I'm offering this in exchange. Yeah. What about this house line here? This just kind of popped out to me. If anyone dedicates their house as something holy to the Lord, the priest will judge its quality as good or bad. Like, does that mean like the way the house looks, like the household itself, like you, you gotta, you gotta assess the value of the house. You know, right. you're gonna take out a loan on it or whatever. You know, like, like I got, idea. I got granite countertops. I got backsplash. <laughs> no. Well, there, there is, there is an underlying assumption in a lot of Leviticus that's saying, like, don't give your leftovers to God. <laughs> the other day, my son came up to me with a broken toy. He's like, the, the ear on this animal fell off, like whatever it was. He's like, can we give it away to somebody? And I was like. No, no, Silas, we don't we, we don't just give away our broken stuff. We we give good stuff. Like part part of the point is saying 
Don't make a vow. And it's like, it's like uh, you know, saying, I'm going to give you the firstborn of the tithe. It's like, you're looking for a loophole. I'm going to give you this crappy thing that I have. Yeah, there you go. Well, isn't, isn't part of this if, you know, if you, if you dedicate something you have to the Lord and then essentially you want it back, Yeah. right? There has to be some mechanism by which you say, okay, well, here's how you get it back. And so that I think that's where it comes into like somehow trying to, you know, Zillow the value of the house. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the things about God that I, I see in here is um, the the idea that God takes us seriously. And you know, I, I was thinking about this like when we say to God we're going to do something, He respects us enough to say, "Okay, so I expect you to do it." So I think about my children. So I, I've got a, a four year old. And if he promises to me, Dad, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make you dinner. Well, I know he's not gonna make me dinner. Like it's not possible for him to do that. He can he can pretend or whatever. I I can understand the sentiment behind it. Like he wants to do something for me, but I have zero expectation that that's gonna happen. But as my kids get older, they're actually capable of doing things. So I have a, a ten year old, and if she said, Dad, I'm I'm gonna make you a sandwich. I'm gonna make you lunch. Well, she could she could do that. She could pull that off. And so if I walked into the kitchen. And started making myself lunch and and sort of, you know, assumed she wasn't going to follow through on that. That would actually be disrespectful to her, even though I don't need her to make me lunch. And if she, you know, didn't offer in the first place, I wouldn't be, you know, disappointed or something. But I take her seriously enough that if she says, Dad, here's what I'm going to do for you, I expect her to do it. So it, it this is one of those, this is one of those chapters that's difficult because... In, in a lot of what you read in Leviticus about the law, they were requirements. This one is sitting in this weird category of, you don't have to do this, but if you do, here's how you need to play, right? And so um, th- th- this, is, this is one where, once again, I go back to, if we're doing observations, trying to, to read Leviticus and ask, what kind of God is this? What does this tell me about God? I don't even fully know if God wants us to do this. You know, like sometimes God made, makes provisions for things where he's like, I just know humanity and I know you're going <laughs> to want to do that. You're going to do it, but it may not be always the absolute best. Um, but God's, you know, it's, it's like the, uh, remember when Moses said, this might take us totally off track, but Moses, the reason that there's divorce laws yep. isn't because God wants you to divorce. It's because he knows that you're going to. You're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, th- this one feels in that weird kind of non-required category to me. Yeah. Well, and there's there's a certain amount of okay if you're gonna if you're gonna interact with God, you've got to know that um, he, He's not someone to be trifled with. Like like <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna throw out kind of like rash promises, you you can't just think that you can like. It, it almost like if think if you could break it all the time. Like if there, it was like yeah, I didn't have to do this. I promised it for a while and then I changed my mind. If there's nothing to that then people would interact with God in a really flippant way. Like it, you would start to devalue God by saying, oh, I can just, I can say whatever I want to him and there's there's no follow through. And I, I think he knows both that he needs to take us seriously, but we also need to take him seriously. And if we're going to start doing that, he can't, he can't just let that go. And he would know if we're going to follow through in the first place. I was just about to ask you, honestly, I was just about to ask you guys the question, like this would be a fun, you know, one of the things we're trying to do on the podcast is demonstrate just using the comma method and reading the Bible and talking about it with other believers, which is what happens a lot in our community groups at our church or, or Bible study groups. Um, so this is the kind of question that I would throw into the middle of a group. What do you think God does? 
when we make a vow and then don't hold our end of the vow? You know, I think, so I think it could be two things. He could get like, he could get disappointed I, and he probably does get disappointed, but then there's like like that whole story that that Clayton just told about his daughter, where he might go, "Yeah, kid, I knew you were gonna do that." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I knew you were gonna do that. That's why, that's why Jesus is there, because I know, like, I know you're gonna keep messing up. Yeah, I mean, whatever whatever he does, I feel like it's got to be something to deal with the attitude that would make someone say, "I'm gonna make a promise to God and then back out on it." Like, because really, I mean, it's not like God needs any of these things, you know? And, and so, like, for him, what would disappoint him, what he would deal with, what he would have to address, is that, where does that attitude come from? So, I, I don't know if in the Old Testament there's some blessing and cursing kind of things going on with this stuff, but I, I certainly think that in some way, God would need to call to, to someone's attention, wait a minute, you're, you're making promises and backing out on God. So sometimes, sometimes in my house, I will make bets with my kids. And it, what's funny about it is I have no control over how the bet ends up and they have all the control, but I'm willing to make the bet anyway. So for example, I'll say to one of my daughters, I will bet you $5 that that plate that you're taking up to your bedroom right now does not end up in the kitchen sink by the end of the day. They have complete control over whether or not it does or not. And I'm still like crazy enough to say, no, no, I know you well enough to know. I'll bet you five bucks that that thing is not hitting the sink, right? And I think in, in some ways that's like when we, when we bargain with God, he knows us and he knows our heart. He knows our motivations. He knows if we're going to follow through. Um, and so it just, it just makes me think again like about the character of God a God that would, even like in Leviticus 27, provide a way for us to bring our needs to him and even listen to our vows is amazing. Mm -hmm. All right. So we've talked about context. We've made some observations. Now it's time for message. What kind of message would you draw from Leviticus 27? I think I'd say God takes us seriously and expects us to take him seriously. I think that I think that gets at this whole relationship. If you're gonna do, if you're gonna say you're gonna do something, do it, and don't don't take God so lightly that you would break that. Nikki, what do you got? Yeah, I was I was leaning in that same direction, uh, but also just in that sense of like we have that freedom to come to God and to talk to Him very openly and very honestly. He knows what we need before we need it, and. I think that there's freedom in being able to come to him and say, God, this is what I need, and I trust you. Uh, maybe I don't have to use the words, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. Like, I don't, I don't want to go to him. Personally, I don't want to go to him with that. I, I just want to say, God, you, you created me. You know me. You know my everything that I need, everything that I could ever want, and I'm going to bring this request to you, and if you know this is good for me, then you're going you're gonna to give it. Yeah, my, my message is uh, kind of in between both of yours. Uh, Leviticus 27 is a provision, not a requirement. So God is saying, if you're going to do this, here's how, here's how the game is played. Which means that 
we don't have to bargain with God. We don't have to make vows to God. We can just talk to God and tell him what we need and be honest with him. Um, and he's a good God that will listen to us. So as, as we move into meditation now, I want to take a jump all the way into the Gospel of Matthew. And I want you to just listen to this this portion of scripture from Matthew, and this will be our 45 seconds during the podcast of meditation, which is just prayerful thought about the scripture we're discussing. So here it is. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? 45 seconds of meditation. All right, it's application time. So what do you guys have for an application today? I think I'm going to pray. I mean, really, like there, there, there are things that I, I've been thinking, I, I, need, I need a breakthrough on this. I need, I need some provision for this. And rather than, you know, scheming about how this is going to happen, I got I to gotta go to my father and say, hey, this is what I need. Yeah, same. It's just it, taking the time to honestly come to him to say, hey, I can't. I can't do this or bring about this situation or this outcome on my own without you. So help me. Give me wisdom. Give me discernment. Give me your provision in it. All right. I have nothing to add to that. So, Nikki, yeah. land the plane. All right. Good stuff. All right. Well, thanks for listening with us this week. And thanks again for reading through the book of Leviticus with us. We've enjoyed this ride with you. Join us next Monday for another episode. We're actually going to be jumping all the way into the New Testament book of Matthew. And in the meantime, if you are not following along, With the reading plan, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading along. Don't forget to join us again for our Good Friday and our Easter services. You can also subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.